Blade and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. It's Tuesday. I have no idea what what day it was all day. I looked at my phone as we were starting, and I said, I remind myself daily. It's Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) It's Tuesday. So if you're keeping score at home, it's Tuesday. uh, If you needed to know that. I needed to know that. You get to a certain point in training camp, and and you've actually played football through 10 training camps, then uh, college training camps, and high school training camps. At some point, did you literally have to like look at somebody and go, what day is it? I have no idea. Did it run together ever to that point? Uh, absolutely. And what I did was, I didn't care what day it was. I just started saying, I'm going out here to practice to get better. I was only, I, I, that's like focusing on 50 billion things. Like, right. No, mm-mm. how many days you got to the game? That's all I need to know. What day it was didn't matter. It's like, when is the game? I don't have to prepare. What do I want to get better at each and every day? Just grinding. Really just focus on that. You lose really grasp of, you know, days, uh, what's going on in the world. That's why I always think it's fascinating when they ask players, you know, like, oh, about some questions going on in society. They, some, they, have, they, they haven't been paying attention. Now, social media has increased that, yeah. but they're not in depth, in dove, you know, and dove deep into it. They, they, don't, they don't know. They just, you know, they just giving an opinion from afar. Uh, that's why I always think it's fascinating to see LeBron do stuff like that. Like, hey, man, you better make sure you got all your information correct. So, no, I, yeah, days, it's kind of still the same today. I'm just preparing for the show, get ready, and then. I remind myself right before I say, happy Tuesday. What day it is. It is, yes. (laughs) I remind myself that it's Tuesday. And actually, I'm going to tell you a little cheesy. I write it down. Oh, my gosh. I put put today's Tuesday. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't mess up. Because that is like one of my worships that I say, happy Wednesday and it's Tuesday. I was at a concert one time, and the singer came out and said hello to the wrong city. Oh, see? Yeah. Yeah, We were in Memphis, and he said, like, hello, you know, Chicago or something. Oh, man. Yeah, that, was, that, that's the worst, man. But you were out of practice today, so they all knew what day it was, and, uh, as well as you did eventually. I did. Uh, each of the quarterbacks threw an interception today. They There was a trifecta. Each one whoa, threw whoa, an whoa, interception. Whoa, whoa. Give me a little context on that, though. Like, were they tip balls? Were forced? Was it a scramble? And it was just kind of, uh, let's see if I can squeeze it in. Uh, I've read Tiny Tiny Hills was in the in the red zone, correct? Yeah, uh, that's it. Bayard or Bayard? Yeah, right, right. So, so that costs you points. Yep. Yeah, that that that's pretty big there, my man Tanny. So there was no Tanny time. Yeah, his was Bayard. <laughs> uh, Matias Farley got Woodside, and I think that was tipped, but I can't remember who. Matias t- Farley is the backup special teamer from the Jets, correct? Yep. Who was the special teams captain? And he's for a the pretty Jets. good player. By yep. the way, he's going to mess around and be a backup safety and a special teams guy on this team. Well, well yeah, he's. I, I think he's going to have a little bit more than that. When they go to nickel dime, depending on how they do it, oh. he may be the safety comes in unless they keep Hooker up top, and maybe he comes in in, in the box guy, okay. kind of you know interchangeable. But it'll be interesting to see if he does. I haven't watched him at practice or anything. I just know his ability from the Jets because I watched the Jets uh, shoot last couple years. Really, uh, they always had pretty solid defense. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, Brady Breeze got Barkley in a team drill. Oh, it it was said that he tipped it to himself, but he just got his hands on it and took it. Hey, that was a pick six. He was out on the, out on the perimeter. So B square finally got some, uh, some, his hands on the ball, made a play. He did. Oh, well, good. I mean, hopefully that'll, that'll help his cause. Well, he'll, he'll play, he'll get a lot of chances here in the preseason. You know, that's one thing that nobody's talking about. What? You know, from the Titans' point of view, maybe the Falcons may be a little bit different because he's trying to set the tone there. New head coach, they may want to play his starters a little bit longer, but how much are the starters going to play, if at all? How many snaps 
if you do, you know, how much do you want to play AJ Brown or Tannehill or Julio or whoever? Maybe don't play him at all because it's three preseason games. Then you're right into a 17 game season. Uh, so uh, that's something that, uh, man, you, as a head coach, you're thinking about all those things. Besides, now you're focused on how you're going to do the rest time and what days off. What's going to be the plan for Henry and other players along the line of uh, veteran players? Uh, now you have to manage them during the season, and does it start in actually preseason? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How how much did you want – this is four se- preseason games because the yeah. three just happened this year. Did you have in your mind, I want to play this much week one and this much week two and this much <laughs> week three and then don't even ask me to play in week four? Did you have <laughs> – did you have as you went on, like the veteran version of you? <laughs> I was going to say, you, you to be I, honest, you act like I had had part in the decision. I, I really appreciate that. The veteran but, version, but, but yeah, no veteran has. They could talk about all that, what they have no <laughs> basis on any of that. Okay. Now, well, did you have a picture in your mind of how you wanted it to go? Um, no, I, you know, I've really found that when the transition will happen, when I'm a veteran now, I've been in the league three or four years as a starter, you start saying, okay. I only need so many snaps, and I don't want to get injured. So right. You're thinking, I'm trying to maintain. Then you go out there, and you're kind of playing hard, but you're not playing like it's a real game because it's, you're playing like it's a scrimmage. So then I you know, almost got rolled up on it. It almost cost me. So then I was like, anytime that I'm on the football field, I'm going full blast like it's, it's, a, it's a regular game. It's a regular game. And so whatever the coaches decide on uh, for the players, uh, for the veteran players, is what I did. I, I was never a guy that, like, all this managing people's body, that never happened to me. Now, I, credit to Coach Fisher. He managed the, the starters or the veteran players a little bit better. Be like, hey, and the coaches, your position coaches knew, ah, today you're not going to be doing 7-on-7, or you may only do two snaps. We're going to let the twos do a lot of the, the reps today, or your backups right? Uh, and select positions. And then so practice wasn't a full practice. There wasn't a time that I was just saying, they said, Blaine, you have today off. That never happened in my career, ever, ever. That just wasn't much. But Fisher ran his practice where they wanted you out there. You wanted the leaders out there at each position group, veteran, and to coach up players at the same time. So you're still out there standing. So I don't know what was worth standing or running around, but it's always cool to not be out there running around. Yeah. Uh, So basically I was kind of like how they do Derrick Henry, but it's just not for that many days like that. Okay. Maybe a day here or two. In training camp, but nothing where you have a day off. Even when they had special teams, I used to be like, why am I out here? And I wasn't on special teams, you know, but I was a backup on all the special teams. Right. Uh, because that's what happens, uh, you know, in the league when you only have two strings. So, yeah. So even the day off where most veterans are sitting at home or in their bed at the hotel in between, I, I was out there, you know, just getting a tan, just getting a tan. Did you have – how far down the depth chart were you on what would have been the Music City Miracle play? Because I've heard all you guys talk about that. Like, at some point during the season, everybody got run oh, through that home Yeah, run I definitely was it. one of the guys during the season uh, when we practiced it every Saturday that actually was one of the guys catching the ball running it. Oh. Uh, yeah, I, w- I wasn't very far. It was getting close. To- when they started looking at me, they started saying, uh-oh, we're in trouble. We're, we're, <laughs> we're not sure if you can catch it if they throw it to you. I said, well, at least if I drop it, it's, it's still a legal it's play. It's lateral. You it's pick it lateral, up. It's yes. a legal play. Yeah, right, because it's not like I'm going to drastically drop it. If I drop it, it's going to go right to the ground. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I was definitely on the punch list. Yes, I was. See, I've never asked you that. Yeah, never you have one not. time. I've never yeah, asked I you that. I was definitely on the punch list. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> it, trust me, and it got down there to it got to me. It, it was getting close. I, I started saying, huh? What? Oh, man. Really? Okay. Let's go. Like, were they starting to instruct you? Yeah, Did well, it get no, to that point? No, they had to instruct me because we've already we've done right. it. Every, you know, everybody played pretty much every position. Uh, so, no, I was about one more, you know, person to say no after. If Dyson would have said no and then another person said no, it, then it was me. Could you imagine the hit man, the music setting? Oh, that would have never happened. I would have got caught or I would have dropped it or something. Yeah, I, I was kind of in the Lorenzo Neal. It, it was funny how that all happened when I just kind of start tearing up my form, you know, fingers and hands and all the surgeries. I used to have great. I mean, I was on the, the you know, the hands team, yep. always recovering, the you know, early in my career. And then as time went on, playing in that 46 defense just screwed my hands all up. So, I yeah, and everybody always makes fun of my, that one finger. But, man, I, I have yeah, my wrist not right there is way above the rest of it's not online i have a hand surgery but pins in it was uh, that your your bowling ball so in the it was like the three or four years in it i'm playing with a cast on in a row yeah so it was just it was non-stop it was like dang oh man this is horrible and then one time it was just because of my finger and then they put pins in it then i had to wear a ball fist cast so it was like you can't protect your finger that's why like most receivers they say well he's out Right. You can't catch. You can't, right. what you do. You can't cast well, his hand. A defensive hands. player, they go, well, you can still tackle. <laughs> so, it was, you know, that wasn't fun. But, hey, you know, you got to do what you got to do. So, yeah, it's a little bit, you know, it's a different area in time, too, though. So, I don't know if some of those guys are playing or not. <sighs> a lot of big dough being splashed around out there, man. It's If somebody had told you then, here's what people are going to be making, and some guys are going to get some guaranteed money. Like we were watching what Luka Doncic would he oh, get two hundred seven million yeah. or something, but it was really Josh Allen. He got one hundred fifty million guaranteed, or maybe at least a hundred for sure, guaranteed, guaranteed. Yeah. As part of his two hundred and something million, yeah, kind And now they're saying because he got forty something, that whatever Aaron Rodgers' next deal is, wherever, whatever, wherever, he's going to get fifty a year. Fifty. They That's said what, that. Yes, read an article this morning. That he could be the first fifty million a year guy, Aaron Rodgers. Really, fifty, fifty. Oh, I don't know about it. Just I, think, you, know, you know, I love some Aaron Rodgers now. 50. It, it, you know, if I'm building my team right, fifty. That's a, I don't know. <laughs> fifty. I, I, yeah, I, I just because how many it. more years? Let's, let's say they trade him after this season or something. Because I knew he was going to be there this year. I don't know if he's going to be there. If they trade him. Uh, and they give him a new contract. What is he going to get fifty million for the next two or three years? So he's going to get one hundred fifty million on three year contract. Yeah. Wow. And, and just think, how much of that would you? You'd have to guarantee probably at least two years. Oh, yeah, you do. I mean, you'd have to say, okay, a hundred million, you're getting for sure, no matter what. Yep. Yeah. Well, you to- hey, well, he. You know what? He'll get that if they win the Super Bowl this year. Because then Green Bay be like, okay, you got us where we want us. We want it. We'll let you. Kind of going, you know, to somewhere else. Long's not in our our division, right? Can't <laughs> right. go to the Vikings, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, well, you'll probably, you know, maybe go West Coast somewhere or something. They want him as far away, so it's, no, he's not that close to remind them how good he is. Well, they and, and that's funny because you think, what if they do win it all? They may just go to him and say, "Just here's the checkbook. Write yourself an amount to stay till you're ready to not." Oh, he could do that. Yeah, yeah. you know, and, and it's funny and. Uh, Early on when he first showed up, he was talking about, you know, as time goes on, hopefully, you know, things, you know, you kind of patch up the relationship like anything else. 
in life, and, uh, and hopefully it'll get better. I think he was referencing the, the GM there. Yeah. So. <laughs> Gutekunst. Yeah, Gutekunst. Yeah, yeah, what a name. Yeah, wait, yeah, that, yeah. Gutekunst need a good out. That's kind of what Aaron Rodgers is saying. Like, hey, man, yeah, somebody need to have a talk with him. <laughs> well, they got a long season ahead, but uh, they just got to – I mean, the NFC is the one that's open. You go in the NFC. The AFC is a minefield. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's a you know I was super, you know thinking about this yesterday because we were having a conversation with a friend of mine and he he was saying, man, the AFC is tough, especially some young up and coming teams. We're you know let alone you got Cleveland, Buffalo, young up a team. You know the Ravens are always going to be in. Always. It. You know the Titans are naturally going to be, in. and then the Colts. Besides your quarterback situation and, and guard, if they got that fixed, and then you go, well, dang. New England and the Steelers won't stay down for long. And, and the Steelers were doing well until all of a sudden they couldn't run the football. People figured out, hey, man, you know, Roethlisberger's probably not going to throw deep, you know, periodically throughout the game, but maybe once or twice. And so they kind of got out of the hunt after, what, they went 11 in a row or something? Yeah. And so you got to think that they're going to be in it. So now we're talking about seven, eight teams right there off the bat. And then you didn't even say Kansas City. Did he? Right. Because everybody last, knows they're right. number one. Last two Super Bowl yeah. participants. Yeah. yeah, I would probably, yeah. <laughs> they, they're probably going to be there again unless something drastically wrong. I mean, something happens. And that, that means something to the quarterback. But uh, they're, they're always going to. So that means now you t- basically just like 10 teams. Yep. 10 teams in the AFC. It's tough sled, man. So, and in the NFC, it's like, okay, can you get past Brady and the Buccaneers? Can you get past them? Well, Brady and, and Rodgers. Yeah. That's because. Well, Brady, I'm talking about for Rodgers to try to get past the Buccaneers. Right, yeah, they that, had that, home field and they lost. Sure you know? did. Yeah. Picked off Brady, what? Three times. Three times. Yeah. Oh, I watched. Still it. lost. Yeah. Yeah. They, they they had to go for it there at the end. And uh, I think they're going to regret that forever. But I haven't heard LaFleur say uh, he regrets that decision. Yeah. No, I don't think he can say it. But you know. He's got to regret that. Why can't he say it? Well, you know, he can't second-guess himself. Everybody else done a good enough job. That's all they do is second-guess. That's what you do as a coach. They'll never admit it. I I would admit that. I would admit that. I would would admit. I would own that. that. Me and you both would, but that's why we would be unemployed. (laughs) That's why we're doing this show. (laughs) Hey, speaking of this show, Ryan Callahan is set to join us next. We'll talk Vols with the man from 24-7 Sports. It is Blaney Mickey. It is 104.5 The Zone. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Training camp rolls on for the Titans. Training camp rolls on every year. Ryan Callahan joins us now. Vols continue. Had Mike Wilson on last week, Ryan. I asked him this. I'm curious to get your thoughts. I mean, what's it like to go and see some of practice? It had just been like behind a wall for so long. What's what's it like to to watch people practice football again? Well, I, I was just saying before we went on the air, you know, it, it, it's it's a little, it was a little bit different or very noticeably different the first couple of days. Uh, now that we've gotten into the heart of camp, uh, it's sort of back to business as usual in terms of how much we're getting to see. It's three periods and, and not much more than that. So, uh, yeah, it's back to kind of, you know, status quo compared to what uh, you're seeing throughout the SEC these days compared to what previous staffs have done. But, yeah, those first two days, were very different. You got to watch about an hour of practice, eight eight or nine periods, and uh, you know not all of it could be shot for video and photos, but you were getting to see a lot of football. And now that they put on pads and got into real camp mode, uh, it's been scaled back, and, and we're back to just being about 15 minutes or so. But still very, a very different media climate because we are getting to talk to players and coaches a lot more freely 
than we were under the previous staff, talking with a different assistant coach almost every day and uh, players quite a bit. We're talking to a lot of freshmen, transfers that just got into the program. That didn't happen a lot under the old staff. So it's, a, it's still a very different uh, media climate compared to what we experienced in the past. It's interesting because you're always going to hear – you know, how things were compared to the last coach or whatever. But there's, I think Dane Davis, I think had the the quote that, that went a lot of places a couple of days ago where he basically called life under Jeremy Pruitt agonizing. And I just thought, dang, man, I mean, you might say we're having more fun now. and This guy's more fun. He used the word agonizing. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, one of his former teammates, Austin Pope, who just left the program, uh, for for injury reasons, uh, as a as a fifth year senior, he he kind of took him to task for it last night on Twitter, uh, pointing out that hey, Dane Davis went on scholarship under Jeremy Pruitt's staff, and and to come out and say that, I I think in some ways though that adds a little more teeth to that quote, the fact that this is a guy who got his opportunity at Tennessee under Jeremy Pruitt, went on scholarship under that staff, and and still felt like saying that, and uh, context is worth noting here too because I we were a little bit taken aback by that word and, and the tone that he said that it didn't come across to me as harshly as it did. I think in print, when people saw that word typed out, I think it took on a different meaning from maybe how he and even how he intended it to. But I think the the reality is there that they didn't enjoy going to work every day as much as they do under this staff. And that's a, that's a, I mean, like you said, things are often said looking back on a previous regime that, are not necessarily all all uh, uh, happy uh, thoughts, but still, um, that that's worth noting. And I, I think some of that, I, I kind of had in mind that some of that came from last year being just such a weird year. Yeah. Players have you know felt disconnected from one another because they didn't get to just hang out in the facility because of COVID protocols. They, they basically had to go back to their dorms after practice. It was a very different year. I thought some of that might have colored that year and that experience totally differently for them. But hearing these players talk about it, and it's not been just Dane Davis, it's been several guys, I think it's pretty clear they didn't love a lot of, at least a lot of them. It's probably not a unanimous thought, but they didn't love playing for that old staff. And I think at least in the first month of this staff's regime, uh, uh, tenure, they're, under, they're, they're feeling a different experience that they didn't have, and they're saying, hey, this is great, and it's maybe telling them more how much they didn't like playing for the old staff. So it's certainly an interesting storyline to, to track throughout camp. Well, and the, the, really the craziest thing about all this, and you mentioned he got put on scholarship by Pruitt, this dude is like a factor on the offensive line as a former walk-on. He's one of those kind of warm and fuzzy camp stories. Exactly, yeah. And, and But it, it really is amazing. I mean, uh, the, it kind of came up, I think, from, you know, just simple questions that were being asked to players about, you know, the sort of the fun things they've done off the field, uh, playing dodgeball back uh, right around National Sign Day in February. You know, a lot of the things they've done, as sort of team building activities and, and in discussing those things, players have kind of come across that, you know, Hendon hooker that just came in from Virginia tech, the quarterback, he said, this is the most fun I've ever had with teammates. And this is a guy who's now in college for the fifth, for his fifth year. So uh, things like that, that have come up have, have made it uh, pretty clear how this, this team currently feels about this coaching staff. And, and again, we've, we've seen this, we've been through this a few times now on the Tennessee beat to sort of know <laughs> that under a first year coach, that there tend to be some uh, that, that there's a lot of fresh uh, stuff that everyone feels better about. There's a, a ex- excitement that comes with a fresh start. Um, so a, a everybody tends to say things like that in the first year of 
how much better something is than what it was before. But this feels a little different. This feels a little more uh, like everybody really is having fun right now. And, and we'll see. Does that, does that amount to more wins on the field? Obviously, only time will tell. This team still has some limitations, I think, personnel-wise that are going to affect that. But you never know. Sometimes that can make a difference, but it's, it's still a very tangible difference talking to players. They seem to be really enjoying themselves. Ryan Callahan enjoying himself with Blaine and Mickey right now here on the Blaine and Mickey show. <laughs> no doubt. We have to, I guess, stick with the offensive line before we get into the quarterback situation is, and that is, you know, what's your assessment of the offensive line, especially I think they need to fill one of the tackle spots too as well. So where is Dane Davis in that whole equation? And, and uh, you know, I think one of the coaches said that they have nine or 10 deep. Do you believe that? You know, I, I think they're at least seven or eight deep with guys they would feel pretty comfortable playing with. I think once you get into nine or ten, you're, you're talking to freshman or a guy who hasn't done it really before. So there might there's some truth to that, I'm sure. But I, I wouldn't say that fans should look at it as a as an offensive line that legitimately can go too deep without much of a drop off. I think their depth has taken some hits uh, this off season to the point that I think some fans wondered if they needed to go to the transfer portal to look for a tackle. And that, that might be more of a glaring concern now because K. Ron Calvert, uh, a fifth-year senior who you know, looked like he was finally healthy and maybe getting a chance to, to kind of come into his own, has, has recently suffered a, a biceps injury or what's thought to be a biceps injury. I haven't gotten the official word on that from Josh Heifel yet. We'll hear from him on Thursday, but certainly sounds like he's expected to miss some time at the very least. And so that, that takes them down to, I think, three tackles that they really trust, with those being Cade Mays, Darnell Wright, and Dane Davis. And, and certainly Dane Davis has a, a very good chance of, of playing quite a bit this year. It could even be an opening day starter. We'll see about that. But I think they've got six or seven, maybe eight that they feel really good about. And then, you know, once you get beyond that, it's a little bit tougher. But they do have some interchangeable parts, starting with Cade Mays, that give them some flexibility. Um, but when you look back on what they've lost, I mean, Trey Smith, Brandon Kennedy, Jameer Johnson, uh, obviously Wanye Morris going to Oklahoma. They've lost some talent from last year, so how well can they replace those guys? Uh, you know, that remains to be seen, but I think they do still have a pretty solid group when you consider all the guys they have lost since last season. Well, naturally, uh, when we're, uh, Ryan Callahan with Go Vols 247, you know, the, it's all about the quarterback play. you got to protect them with the offensive line, but has Hype or, or anyone on the staff, quarterback, coach, offensive coordinators, you know, talked about what they're going to determine – how they're evaluating the quarterbacks uh, to see who actually is the starter? Yeah, I, I think they feel it, it. Obviously, in most of these cases, it's an overall, you know, kind of just body of work. It's not. It's not any one thing. It's not just looking for accuracy. It's not just looking for decision making. It's it's how all that stuff meshes together. Um, this staff has made it clear, though, the one thing that they they really want to see is a guy who can stretch the field ideally and who's going to throw it well. They're not necessarily looking for a runner. So if anyone's wondering that, you know, did Joe Milton and Hendon Hooker have a leg up on Harrison Bailey, for instance, because they can do more with their feet? I don't think that's the case. I think the staff is willing to go uh, in a different direction regardless of all that. I think they just they want someone who can who can pass effectively first and foremost. Mobility helps, but it's not a, a deal breaker with this staff. They've done it with different types at, at Josh Heifel's previous stops. So I, I think they view it as a situation where they just they want to be able to throw it well. They've got some receivers that, frankly, have looked pretty good. I think so far during camp, a, a, a pretty an, a, a, a fairly deep group of receivers that, that's been bolstered by the addition of Javante Payton, the Mississippi State transfer, who's originally from Nashville, played at Hillsborough, and uh, you know, so having having those guys, you want to throw it to them, and this staff wants to throw it all over the place. 
So it's just about who's who's most consistent in that area, and, and maybe in Hendon Hooker's case, who can stretch the field most effectively. I don't think Hooker necessarily did that enough this spring. They're trying to throw it down the field and make big plays, score quickly, and, and who gives them the best chance to do that. But it's 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 about decision making and all that stuff, obviously, as it comes down to in, in pretty much all of these battles that you see. Which is always vitally important is the quarterback play, offensive line play, but who are the actual leaders? Since you're talking about you know, the quarterback kind of figuring out who's going to be the starter. To me, leadership is always key in college football. Who are the leaders as of today right now on the football team? Yeah, I, I think that's still a bit of an evolving thing. It's a, it's a good point because, I, you know, last year you had Trey Smith that was a very established leader, I think, on offense, a, a guy that a lot of people look to, certainly for, for an example, uh, even if not to, for a, for a rah-rah kind of speech or anything like that. He was he was someone everyone could lean on in that program and know uh, know where they stood with him and, and know what needed to be done. You know, on defense, they lost some guys from last year. So I, I think on defense, certainly Elante Taylor, it, it's his time to be a leader. Um, is he doing that? Is he, is he totally embracing that role to the level that he needs to? Hard to say for sure, but I think that's someone that is one of the most natural leaders on this team uh, that has a chance to, to kind of fill that role. And then on the defensive line, they've got several seniors that I think are capable of contributing in that area. Matthew Butler maybe being one uh, that kind of stands out. On offense, you know, they've, they've got a lot of guys who've, who've played, but not necessarily a lot of guys who are uh, seniors who are three-year starters or anything like that. So Cade Mays, to me, even though he's in his second year in the program, might be kind of one of those guys. Uh, but I think that is an evolving storyline. And, you know, frankly, this team is probably going to need the, the quarterback, whoever it is, to, to step up and be a leader for this team because it's such an important part uh, of what they're going to do. They want to throw the ball, and, and this offense needs to be explosive. So that, that quarterback is going to ideally need to be a leader, and uh, whether that's Joe Milton, Hendon Hooker, Harrison Bailey, whoever, uh, it's going to have to be sort of an evolving leadership group, I think, starting with the quarterback. Week one, give us your bold prediction. Who do you think will be the starter there? Not to say that will change or multiple quarterbacks play, but who do you think is going to have a leg up, you think, predicting? I, you know, I, I think if this, I think if Josh Heifel or anybody on that staff was, was being completely candid, I, I think deep down they think Joe Milton will end up being the guy to start the season. Um, I think that's how they envisioned it probably playing out when they brought him in after spring practice. I, I don't think they would have brought in a guy like that just for depth uh, and, and everything we've continued to he hear. And certainly what we've seen with our own eyes uh, suggests that he's, he's definitely talented enough to, to handle the job and that they think he maybe gives them some, some dynamics, some upside that, that the other guys might not. But I, I'll say this, don't sleep on Hendon Hooker. I think he's a guy who's maybe gotten a little bit overlooked in this in, in the offseason discussions. Harrison Bailey had the big spring game, so I think a lot of fans maybe got caught up in that. But Hooker was the more steady guy throughout spring practice, and he had a really good offseason, it sounds like. They've really spoken pretty highly of his of summer work uh, and how far he's come since arriving at Tennessee in January. So I think both of those transfers might be the favorites right now, but Milton – just has a big arm. He's a big guy. Looks like a defensive end. You know, he's 245 pounds or so. Um, just, I, I think he brings a lot to the table. And this staff, if, if they're being honest, I think would like it to play out where Joe Milton is the guy, but he's got to go out there and earn it. Well, with Ryan Callahan with Go Vols 247. Yeah, joining us on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. It's interesting you gave Milton's measurables. It's basically the same as me. I'm surprised that we're that close. <laughs> that, that's shocking to me that he and I are that close, uh, similar in, in measurements. That's the, crazy. The, the 0.5 part, right? Yes, 100%. Uh, Ryan Callahan, our guest. How many running backs are in the mix? Because we keep talking about who's going to take the snaps, but how many guys are 
do you think will get legitimate snaps out of the backfield this year, you know, and catch balls or take handoffs from whoever the quarterback is? Well, that's always a position where I say health uh, usually ends up dictating that to some degree, but I, I think three or four at least. Uh, and they've, they've got a little bit of depth and competition in that group now that now that Lenith White has back out there and Tyon Evans is out there after being limited for most of the spring. Uh, Evans is a, a junior college transfer who was a four-star and, and the number one JUCO running back in the country last year. So uh, he, he's a guy that a lot of people were excited to see, and he's he's looked the part, I think, through uh, through the first several days of camp. So uh, there's some interesting players back there. They lose a lot of production, obviously, with, with Eric Gray and, and Ty Chandler no longer in the program. But Jabari Small has a lot of people, ex- a lot of people excited, uh, you know, e- even getting a, a, an Alvin Kamara uh, comparison from one of his teammates here recently. And then uh, Tyon Evans, you know, I think he, he's maybe the most physically gifted of the bunch in some ways. But, you know, is he, is he going to be the perfect fit for this system? Is he going to be an every down back? We'll, we'll see. But he's just a, a really – stout guy that has you know he's got these big uh these big thighs that you can really bounce off defenders well and and break tackles so he gives you something different i think they've got some guys that can piece things together with d beckwith who's six four or six five so uh unusually built maybe for a running back but a big powerful guy that can run um so i think they've got a nice complement of of running backs there that can do some different things i think you'll see them play at least three or four and and we'll see how effective that group is but that's a big storyline too is how can these mostly untested guys replace what they lost, obviously, in Gray and Chandler? I feel like we got to ask you about this because you're the recruiting guy. What's the latest I saw, at least as of last night late? I looked Vols up to 27th in the 24-7 uh, recruiting rankings. Yeah, they, they've had a nice run this summer, certainly since the start of July. Uh, you know, had, had a pretty good week last week getting Addison Nichols, the highest-ranked player in their class now, four-star offensive lineman from the Atlanta area. Uh, who has some Tennessee ties that, that certainly made Tennessee uh, a factor throughout his recruitment, but they, they beat out some big-time programs for him, so that was a major recruiting win. Uh, and then they, they added a wide receiver from Arkansas, Chaz Nimrod, on Thursday. Um, so they've added a, a, a number of guys throughout the summer and now up to 14 commitments in the class. Still in the mix for some guys who could make announcements by the end of the month, uh, so we'll, we'll see if they can add anything else before the season starts. But certainly they're in a much better spot after a – a slow start uh, during the spring, you know, where you didn't see they, they didn't have any commitments until mid-April. Uh, understandable given the timing of the coaching change and the dead period, not having any visitors for a while. Uh, but once the visit started on June 1st, the, the staff started to gain some momentum. So I think they're they're in a much better spot. It's still probably not going to be a top 10 or top 15 class just because of all the things they've dealt with. But I think they've, they've certainly got a chance to finish in a much better spot than people might have thought two or three months ago when this uh, – when the staff was, you know, obviously struggling with everything they were they were encountering after coming in late and, and dealing with the NCA investigation and all that stuff. Ryan Callahan, our guest from Go Vols two four seven here on Blaine and Mickey. Well, I, I guess before we let you go, do we have any update on timeline or what the NCA is uh, found? Uh, you know, with the the UT program. You know, there there hasn't been yet, and it's one of those things that everyone involved continues to say uh, that it's just hard to to nail down a date when things are, when things might happen. Now, the one thing that is maybe a little more within Tennessee's power is, um, is whether they self-impose any penalties and try to do that either before the season or early in the season. I, I don't think that's a given, but I think they would like to do that sooner rather than later, if at all possible to try to give these, these recruits, they're obviously being hammered with that left and right. And a lot of recruiting battles 
to try to put that out there a little bit more uh, because, you know, a lot of schools are naturally filling in the blanks that, hey, it might be a two- or three-year bowl ban. You know, this might affect half your career or more at Tennessee. They, they want to fight that perception, but they don't have any, anything to really uh, counter that at this point. So to get some self-imposed penalties out there would help them, but they, they obviously don't want to jump the gun on that. So uh, do they do something like that sooner? Uh, that, hard to say for sure, but, but it's still interesting to me that Don D. Plowman, the chancellor, said back in the spring on vol calls, and it, it's pretty much been true to this point, she didn't expect anything to wrap up before the season started. Uh, and that was you know, four or five months ago. That's, that's held true. Uh, so what, will it happen by the end of the year? We'll, we'll find out. But I think this investigation is not over yet. It's just does Tennessee try to wrap things up on their end in any kind of timely fashion to get some self-imposed penalties at least out of the way and then hand it over to the NCAA and say, okay, now let's see if you agree. All right. Well, real quick, I know they were having an issue with depth at linebacker. Everybody would hammer us over the head if we didn't ask you. How's that going? And are players stepping up and finally, uh, you know, some guys standing out? Yeah, much better looking group. They've added some guys, uh, two transfers, William Mohan and, and Jawan Mitchell since the end of spring practice. Got some guys back who were not out there this spring, Aaron Beasley, Aaron Willis, the, a true freshman who was a four-star last year. So, uh, so some guys that, that have really made that a better looking group on the practice field. And obviously the, the biggest one, the return of Jeremy Banks. Uh, so, so now Jawan Mitchell, Jeremy Banks, probably the, the early leaders in the clubhouse for, for those starting jobs, but some legitimate competition there now. I think Tennessee feels a lot better about that group, knowing they're probably going to have two linebackers on the field most of the time in a lot of those nickel packages. So um, two guys, now they've got seven or eight, I think they feel pretty good about. They only had five out there at the end of spring practice healthy. So uh, it's a much different, much better looking, much deeper group. Uh, and so they're in a much better spot a week into camp. RC, Ooh. thank you, man. People can follow Ryan and they need to if you don't. Uh, at Ryan Callahan 247 or everything at uh, GoFalls 247. Thanks, man. We'll catch you up again soon. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Appreciate guys. it, Ryan. Yes, sir. Uh, when we come back, the NFL has said there's a rule that they're really going to enforce this year, and fans are going to hate it. They're going to hate it. We'll tell you what it is next. Explain to Mickey. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. There are people who call the uh, the NFL the no-fun league because, you know, you can't just cut up. You can't have a lot of fun. Oh, well, they've, they've been having fun the last couple of years, though. And they have fun counting all that money. Well, what, they've been, you know, they've been celebrating in the end zone. They've given them a little. Remember, everybody goes in front of the camera and these group things. And I'm like, man, I wouldn't even have the energy to run from all the way just to make sure I got on there. Guys I'm will like, run hey, 70 catch, yards to yeah, get in one I'll of those. I'll catch you next time, man. I got to conserve energy. Who had the best, before I do this rule, who had the best celebration of anybody you ever play with? You're like, oh, that looks like fun. No, oh, I, I, I don't Best one. Don't anybody know. ever do something so much fun you thought, I, that, you know, they do the electric slide or anything, you want to go join them? No, not at all. <laughs> Was it Ray Lewis's whole deal? Yeah, that, I, I tried to duplicate that when I, I did a PBU in a, in a game versus them, and it didn't look the same. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it did not look the same. <laughs> no, I definitely was not a fan of that just because it was the, the rival there at that time, and they were dominating us uh, pretty much. But no, you know, you know, I, you know, I was still part of that old school generation where you know, act like you've been there before. Totally different generation it is now. You know, have some fun, have some personality, do all those things. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I, I just I, go look up Eddie George's all his touchdowns. Let's see what he did. Absolutely not. Hand the ball to the referee like Barry Sanders. <laughs> yeah. Boy, that's what that era was. 
hand the ball. Think about that. Yeah. People like Eddie George, Barry Sanders, you know, to cross the cross the goal line. You still got guys doing it today too. Right. Immediately, just look for the official. Toss the ball to him. And you got other guys out to pretend to be on like a video shoot or a boat. You know, I'm always fascinated though in some of the guys who are doing backflips. Because it's like, man, you ran all this way, and you still have the energy to do a backflip? Wow. In full pads. Yeah. 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 That, that's, it's not like it practicing. You just, it's not in a game where you just call it like a five-yard pass, and, you know, you got a lot. Man. When I see Tariq Hill does it, I mean, I'm like, man, this guy stopped at the end zone and then turned around and did a backflip. Woo. You talk about some explosive individuals, and that's like nothing to them. You're doing it with pads on, too? Helmet, I'd be all screwed up. What if you just land on your head? I mean, just think everybody saw it. Right. <laughs> national, international TV, because it's the NFL. Yeah, man, I, you know, one leg, my glute didn't fire. I just landed oh, on my head. My. What if you got hurt doing that? Yeah, that wouldn't be fun. Tore a hammy. Yeah, yeah there it is. That's, that's probably why the NFL coming out with some new rules now, you say, right? They're trying to spoil it? This, what, are, what are they doing? What are they pushing now? This I do is, not know the answer to this. You said don't tell me the answer to this. Here's the answer. Game. This is uh, my sports update on Twitter, and I've seen 20 national accounts tweet about this. Game officials have been instructed to strictly enforce taunting rules in games. After the NFL saw an increase in taunting last year, two taunting penalties get you an automatic ejection. In addition, if the taunting is, is bad enough, you could get fined or suspended. Because you, like, waved bye-bye well, to a guy. Wait, wait, wait. That's what I was just about to ask. Like, what is the line to taunting? Like, like, where is it? Like, I thought, you know, uh, the DB Winfield Jr. got an unfair taunting penalty, you know, in the Super Bowl. That was the most exciting thing in the whole Super Bowl was him taunting. You know, and I'm cool if that's the way you're going to go with it and, and penalize. But you also have to penalize the offense for doing the same thing to him, which they did, the, you know, the time before they played. Yes. He didn't get a penalty. What was that? That was taunting. Yep. I mean, so, and that's all he was doing was getting back at him like, nah, not today. Nope. Not today, baby. You know, gave him the peace sign. And they gave a penalty. Really? Yep. He did bend out in his face, though, P. <laughs> <He got, laughs> I mean, I, I thought it was fine. I mean, because if you know the history of what happened right. the last time. Payback is a mother yeah, so during that, the Super Bowl. Yeah, so I, I felt like that was, uh, yeah, and he got fined for that, too. So, yeah. So I'm thinking there. That's probably the lowest thing you could do. Like the you know easiest thing you can get a penalty to some of this you know outrageous uh, stuff for the taunting. I, I don't I don't know how far that goes. I mean, does that mean uh, taunting is uh, you mf'd another player? I don't know. I mean, it could. <laughs> you spit in his eye at the bottom of a pile. I mean, that, these things go on, by the way. That's why I'm bringing them up. Right. This <laughs> so it's not real, like that. Real this, stuff. Yeah, this is actually what's going on out there. You, right. Somebody punched you in the gut or the groin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you slap somebody, you know, in the heat of a battle, they're probably going to call a penalty anyway. But yeah, that gets Sometimes it gets overlooked. I mean, just because I'm just like, where is the line here? I, I, this one here is a tough one for me. It's tough for me, I, too. To me, it has to be egregious for me to call it as a referee. I always have to look at it from the referee's eyes. If something really agree, yeah, you got it. Yeah, yeah, we got to do that. But it, we can't get to, oh, you can't wave at a guy because you were running to the end zone and he's five yards away and he can't catch you. Really? Waving at a guy? I guarantee they're going to call that. Come on, man. What the heck are we doing here? No fun league. And, and they're going to do it, Blaine. It's going to be like week 16. Somebody's going to be trying to make the playoffs 
and some dumb taunting penalty is going to cost somebody a game. And then they're going to cost somebody. It depends on who it is. It may cost you a roster spot. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, th- this is one of those things. It costs the team a game. To hand co- that's going to come across some conversations <laughs> by the staff. Oh, uh, right now, you know, they're like, because the Titans have officials at practice right now. And so Mike Vrabel said on Saturday, we've got officials coming in next week, and we'll have meetings with them. We'll ask them, what are you emphasizing this right. year? Yeah. So if that guy's like, hey, man, because they show video examples, right? They're like, yes, they we're going to call this. Yeah. This guy, he waved at this guy, we're going to call it. Okay. This guy was pointing at this guy after a play. We're going to call that. Okay. Uh, so if they're going to show them some examples. And you yeah. know Mike Vrabel, he's going to be like, you you y'all better not do any of this stuff. Yeah, anything oh, uh, close? Well, no, you know Everybody. all the head coaches are right. gonna, you know, and you're gonna emphasize it. And sometimes, you know, it's an emotional game, and sometimes your emotion gets the best of you. Uh, and, you know, in heat of the battle, you just you never know. So you're just hoping that you don't get a penalty that costs your team if it does happen. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm interested to see the line here. Well, <clears throat> and. Just watch. If it's a point of emphasis, it's like when the college basketball, you can always tell when college basketball has something that they have to enforce because like, that's like seven of those they've called in the first half. We get it. You know, carrying or whatever it might be. Hand checking. Remember, that was a big one. Mm-hmm. Big point of emphasis when you're hand checking. You couldn't even play the game because, oh, no, that's saying, get out the whistle. Oh, no, here it is again. Whip, hand checking. It'll be real interesting to see how much it muddies up some of these preseason games if they're calling anything that even looks like Oh, you just made my back. They're going to last four hours. Yes, that's yeah, exactly that's what exactly I was thinking. And I'm doing a post-game show with you. Midnight. I'll see you midnight <laughs> no, on Friday. No. <laughs> no. I'll see you at midnight. Oh, man. They cannot call these taunting. I mean, no more fun bunch. Is that taunting? Is they, see, that's what I'm talking about, a celebration. Is that taunting? I think you can do that. But that's celebration. Yeah, I mean, but that's I think that's you taunting. celebrate, but you can't, like, point. Like, you could just, like, you and me could do some elaborate dance. But if we pointed at the guy that we just did something uh, to, then that, that's what well, we're in how, trouble. How about this? You and I'm, me I'm, need an elaborate I, dance. I, I, uh, no, I definitely <laughs> would. I, well, I had the little cowboy dance. You know, I used to do what I'd do, a, you, know, you know, some tackle or something. But, uh, you know, what about this is, is this taunting? You score a touchdown. You look at the guy. He's standing right there. This, this, this could happen easily to a DB. Yeah, because this happened to me before. Uh, okay. And, and he looks at you. He scores a touchdown. On a catch, you know, not a run catch. That he caught it on you and, you, like, boom. Just like, uh, let's just say, uh, Marcus Johnson did in the end zone yesterday. Okay. Or today. And then he turns and looks at the guy and spikes it on Lucas Panzikas on his touchdown. And say, how you like that? And looks dead at him. Is that taunting? Is this, this is the new catch or no catch? No, 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 this is the he, new, they're going to emphasize yeah, taunting. So People don't realize Lucas had his eyes closed just now. He, <laughs> he, he, was, he was sleeping in his, in his ears. In, in, yeah, yeah, with his ears open. <laughs> but, no, is, but it is going to be the new catch or no catch debate. Like, is it taunting or is it not taunting? Oh, that's, oh, what, that's what you're what saying. saying. Yeah. Oh, though you were yeah. two steps yeah. ahead of us, you rascal. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're not, gonna ta- we're not going to taunt anybody because the first hour of the show is over. Guess what? Second hour coming up. We can discuss taunting some more. What do you think about that? I mean, should the NFL be worried about other things? You can hit us up on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline, 615-737-1045, at Blaine and Mickey on Twitter. Oh, we'll get you there, I, too. And I got a beef when we come back. Oh, Lord. Where's yeah, the you, beef? You know, it's here. I, yeah, I don't ever. And it has to do with the, the oh, no, the depth, unofficial depth chart. Okay. Well, we're officially going to hit that next. <laughs> Coach Mack in about 20 minutes. Blaine and Mickey.